Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design, a podcast that teaches you how to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm a professional interior designer, realtor, and advanced feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me an energy design expert, helping you find, create, and design the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today is a meaningful show. I had planned on putting this up a couple of weeks ago, and an unexpected event occurred that sent me a bit on a tailspin. And the importance of this show to recognize not only the synchronicity of it all, but the profound importance of it. Oh, so... I recorded this show with Dr. Farmer on a Friday and we discussed the importance of animal spirits. We're talking about his new book that he just came out with and he's got numerous books about the animal kingdom, talismans, totems, just this beautiful world of animal spirits and the messages that they send us. As you listen to the audio, I share some profound messages I've gotten over the years including a recent visit from a snake. At the time, I wasn't fully sure of the meaning. And as we discussed this in the show, we were talking about, you know, overall meaning. Like, what could we read into this? I mean, it it was pretty profound. I live on the second story and I had a six foot snake on my balcony. How the hell did it get there? How the hell did it, you know, like it, it, it's profound when you have something that is big like that, that you're like, well, that's weird. It's a message, right? We've talked about this on the show numerous times. And I think deep down, I think I knew what it meant. I just didn't, I wanted to stay in delusion, right? (laughs) I wanted to, I wanted to stay in a place of, uh, happy times. Snakes often mean earth energy. Uh, they represent, uh, a message of surrendering, and letting go because they shed their skin. And we talk about this in the show. We talk about the snake and and I tried to veer off and say, oh, they're, you know, they're sexy. And so Dr. Farmer was, you know, telling me we should, you know, when we see something like that and have an inspiration like that, we should dance, we should move. And, you know, um, I think that's kind of where, I think that's where I was hoping to go with it. I was really, really, really trying to ignore the surrender and let go part because it's uncomfortable. I hate change. And here I am, the spiritual person. And (laughs) I know, I don't always take my own advice. But, you know, deep down, I knew what this meant. I just refused to acknowledge it for my own selfish and desperate reasons, you know, to hold on and what can I say? I'm human, right? I mean, that's why we're here to feel grief and emotions. And anywho, when I saw the snake, I had done a really powerful feng shui divination called the plum blossom. I've talked about that on the show before, but I did this divination to glean better understanding of what this meant, what the message was about, but most importantly, the time frame. When would this uh, change occur? When you do a plum blossom, you can find out the time frame of when this occurrence is going to happen. It's essentially an omen. And it said that the event would happen in roughly two to two and a half weeks. And ultimately, it was just shy of three weeks that it happened. So as you're listening to this, what the hell happened, Amanda? I lost my beloved Harley. And I'm going to do the best that I can to get through the show. He was the love of my life. And after 18 months of trying everything I could in my power to help him get well, it was time for him to go home. After I spoke to Dr. Farmer, I noticed that Harley wasn't acting right that night. By Saturday morning, he was pacing and I knew. And I knew it was coming. I just didn't want to come to terms with it because, again, I'm human. And I don't know how, but somehow he made it till Sunday night and then he passed away. And because of that, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do the show. You know, it's been a couple of weeks now and I'm still devastated with an enormous amount of grief. And I'm 
it's I think that the the biggest or the hardest part of it is that he was with me for 13 years and those were really powerful years of transformation and evolution in my life. If you've read my new book, Feng Shui for the Soul, Harley was with me through the dark ages of Amanda or what I call my personal apocalypse that occurred from 09 to 2013. At any rate, the synchronicity of having Dr. Farmer on to discuss the importance of animal spirits, which I talk about on today's show. But man, what a reminder to pay attention. And I talk about this in my book, Feng Shui for the Soul. In chapter 12, I talk about uh, the shift that's occurring with animals. In chapter 12, I say... Everything in our world is making the shift, including our beloved planet, nature, and the animal kingdom. There will be a return to herbalists and healing through nature. Animals will also make the shift, and many already have. Notice a difference in their behaviors and how they are aiding you in your transitions. Also recognize more visits from wild animals that you see in nature. They are speaking to you in spiritual language. So listen to her whispers. They are there to guide you. So the synchronicity of all of this has just, whew, it's been a lot. So it was really important for me not to rush to to put the show up, number one, because I knew I wouldn't be able to get through it, but also just the value of allowing, you know, the sacredness of having him on the show discussing the importance of animals in our life because they're messengers. About a week after Harley died, I continued, well, still continue to carry enormous sadness. My house and my life are filled with landmines of reminders that are just constantly triggering me. They're literally everywhere. So a few days ago, I went into the woods because I desperately needed solace I needed nature to speak to me and guide me as it has always done. And as I was walking, I was speaking to Harley and just letting him know how much I miss him. And I asked him to show me that he was happy and that he was still with me. You know, logically, I know this is true. But the thing is, is that my heart hurts. So as I walked, I asked him for a sign. You know, in my arrogant pride, I demanded that he send me, I just said, I want something outrageous. I don't want like a dumb deer (laughs) or a squirrel or a freaking butterfly. I need something that's so rare that I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's you. Like I need a damn bobcat. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I need. I need a bobcat. Dr. Farmer and I had talked about the bobcat sighting that I had had a couple of years ago and we talked about how rare that was and so that's what popped into my head so I'm talking to my little dude and I'm like all right you know these are rare that's that's what I need from you I need to know that you're with me that you hear me like I need a big big sign from you I need to know without a shadow of a doubt well you probably know where this story is going but I walked for about 40 minutes and on my way home As I walked through my trails, I was kind of like in my own little world, and I looked up, and there was a bobcat. I fell to my knees. I just, I couldn't believe it. Even in my world of magic, where these kinds of things happen to me all the time, and the fact that he answered me immediately. So I've placed a link in the show notes just to show you the photos and fair warning (laughs) the photos are bad I have a very old iPhone 6 it takes terrible photos but I don't care (laughs) you get the picture I got what I asked for and I share this with you so that you know that magic and miracles do exist and that our loved ones are always with us so as you listen to this show today be reminded of that My woods have now gifted me two bobcats in less than four years. I've been gifted two, and I have friends that have lived here in Nashville for 40 years and have never seen one. So yes, pay attention, as all of these are gifts, and that is what today's show is all about.
Even though I get to experience this kind of magic all the time, especially from nature, I'm still in awe. I'm still like, I have childlike wonder and I get so excited. And the fact that I asked for this gift and received it. This is why you want to cultivate your chi. <laughs> Leave it to me to come back to that, right? But this right here, my God, this is why you cultivate your chi so that you can touch these magic and miracles and still be in awe of them and to know that the cosmic breath of the universal intelligence is within us all. And even though I can't see him, I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's with me. So I hope that you enjoy the show today. Dr. Farmer and I are going to talk about animal spirits, their importance of them in our lives, and how we need to pay closer attention to the messages that they're sending us. <sighs> Woo! I knew that this was going to be a rough one for me to get through, but today's going to be a great show. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do it. Welcome to the show, Dr. Farmer. How are you? Well, thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm doing well. Looking forward to it. Always one of my favorite topics. Oh, mine too. I mean, the my audience knows my love affair with nature and animal spirits. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, we're here talking with Dr. Stephen Farmer today, and he's written a fantastic book, uh, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. What are spirit animals and and what exactly is the purpose of working with them well it goes back to they've tagged me you know i've got a few books and products on spirit animals and totem animals and power animals and such oracle cards as well as this particular book that just was released a few months ago spirit animals uh any animal that come to you i, I use the term spirit animal and animal spirit guide interchangeably basically it's any animal that comes to you, whether in the physical form and or the symbolic form, like in a dream or something like that, in an unusual way or repeatedly in a short space of time, it is a pretty big deal. There's something big going on right there. Um, one way to look at it is that the um, spirit is sending you a messenger to try to get a, a teaching or a message or some guidance across to you. And it's something that um, our long ago ancestors knew very, very well, you know, looking for the signs of nature, including spirit animals. But uh, we lost quite a bit of that in Western civilization uh, over the, uh, you know, over the millennia. The good news, though, is that it's coming back in full force, like for yourself and in the service you're providing through the podcast, through the uh, the books and the oracle cards that I've, I've had the privilege to uh, publish. Leading up to this particular one, Animals, uh, subtitled Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals, which we can get into in a bit. So anyway, that's an that's a spirit animal or an animal spirit guide. And uh, I am, uh, <laughs> I am so, uh, I just know that there are, there's this awakening process that's going on in a lot of us human beings thank God, you know, that we're, in a sense, remembering, you know, discovering a deep ancestral memory of our, um, our relationship, really, our relationship with everything on this planet. And not only our relationship with everything, but in this specific, uh, specifically with spirit animals, to really understand that animals can be messengers like this, you know, they can be uh, um, visitors that pop by in our life to uh, give us a message to uh, sometimes uh, when someone that we love dies uh, I've heard story after story of unusual appearances by animals and seems like particularly the winged creatures uh, birds but uh, they're just a uh, it's a whole new world you know and I I really encourage listeners who are I'm sure familiar with uh, the kind of service you provide, Amanda, but I certainly encourage uh, listeners to to really take heed, you know, when an animal appears in an unusual way or or repeatedly, 
you know, that's something, something really big is going on, bigger than you might su suspect. It's not just a coincidence, although we might call it a coincidence. Mm, yeah. I, I no longer say, oh, what a coincidence. I'm always like, what does this mean? Like, what's the message here? Like, that's that's now my mantra. Of, okay, this means something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always trying to look at it like that. Um, one of the things that you talk about at the beginning of the book is you're, you're kind of um, explaining all of this this magic that you have experienced for many years and and working with animals and and you talk about um power animals and I, i'm curious I, i'd love to hear your your analogy or philosophy on on the difference between a power animal versus a totem like what are they and, and what makes them different yeah uh, first off the umbrella to see to understanding spirit animals is that term spirit animal or animal spirit guide so under that umbrella there are two other terms that we hear frequently and that's the two that you mentioned totem animal and power animal now i have a particular point of view with uh, what are the distinctions between the two and as i say though they relate to animal spirit guide because they truly are that as well and uh, the totem animal, for instance, is a, it's a common term that we use is, uh, what's your totem? And typically, I think what people mean when they say, what's your totem, or when they say, my totem is this, uh, is rabbit, for instance, is they mean that that's a very personal relationship with a spirit animal, as well as the physical animal, but primarily the spirit animal. Um, I have a, a slightly different take on that, and uh, totem is um, one of a couple of things that you could define as a totem animal. One is that um, a representation of a favorite spirit animal. Example, on my altar here, I have a couple of ceramic figures, one of wolf, uh, one of elephant, and I think there's about two or three others like that. And I, I would call them totems, that they, they represent that spirit animal that is portrayed in that way. A feather might be a totem for a particular animal, a crow feather. Now, where it gets interesting is this term power animal. <laughs> and that really stems from shamanic practice. Uh, I trained in shamanic and shamanism and shamanic healing. Oh, gosh, I think about 27, 28 years ago, I was introduced to it at a very active uh, psychotherapy practice, uh, really enjoyed the work. And yet, uh, at the same time, I was feeling the rumblings of change, you know, something was calling to me and I wasn't sure what it was and it, it turned out to be shamanism. So I did an initial training in shamanism and uh, it was only a two day workshop and it really just was an entry, if you will, an initiation into the teachings and the ways of uh, what Michael Harner, who is the one who was teaching it and has also written a book called Way of the Shaman he calls uh, core shamanism. He's an anthropologist that is pulled from uh, various traditions, certain commonalities. And one of those commonalities is power animal. In fact, interesting in that two day workshop, I remember uh, we learned how to do what's called a shamanic journey, which is using, uh, in this instance, using drumming or rattling to induce an altered state of consciousness that Harner called the shamanic state of consciousness, basically an altered state of consciousness. And in that altered state, you access um, a, one of three worlds, an upper world, middle world, and lower world. Now, that's a lengthy explanation and a lot of detail about that. But basically, what we did is we partnered up with uh, someone in the class and uh, the intention in the second day was to do a journey now that we had some uh, how did we knew how to do it we were taught how to do a journey is that i would journey on behalf of my partner and i would go to what was called the lower what is called the lower world and there i would discover what uh, in this case his power animal was i'd bring it back sort of install it etc and then we would take turns and he would uh, do the same for me so the power animal is one that is uh, commonly um, first a long-term relationship. 
in other words, that that spirit animal is going to be with you as a, a spirit ally and a very powerful one. And that can uh, help you with the shamanic work and the shamanic healing that you're doing. And I, at the time, for many years, I, I wasn't allowed, if you will, I wasn't allowed to share, you know, what my power animal or power animals were. And then along the way, I was given permission because, because this is the work I do. You know, I do a lot around spirit animals and power animals. So what I can say to you is that um, this fella, uh, what he found was wolf spirit. And I think the funny thing, Amanda, is I've, <laughs> this is me, you know, this is a part of me, at least. He brought back wolf spirit. And I thought, you know, that's really common. I don't know if he's really right about that. You know, I'm not sure that the wolf is really going to be my power animal. And uh, a little bit of arrogance uh, thrown in. And what has uh, actually proven to be the case is that wolf is continues to be an active participant in my shamanic uh, healing and my shamanic work. And he has become a, a, a close ally in so many different ways. Very, very protective. Uh, I can call on wolf to uh, typically do whenever I do a journey. Wolf is one of the power animals I call on. So anyway, that's a long way around to say that's what a power animal is. It's not unique to shamanism, but it, it is necessary for a shamanic practitioner or shaman, a shamanic practitioner to have developed at least one or two relationships with a specific power animal. And they tend to serve different purposes. Like I said about wolf, wolf is not only a guide, but a protector. It's just an amazing protector. I feel very, very safe in so many different ways, knowing that that wolf is around. So anyway, that's a power animal. And what about a totem? What What's the difference between uh, you're saying that a power animal is is more linked to the nature of the work that you do and the the medicine that you provide is a totem something that is a little bit more temporary or, or what makes them different well a totem is often uh, as uh, there's two meanings i started to say and i only gave you one one meaning is a totem is an animal that let's say uh, elephant i don't have elephant is not a power animal for me but elephant shows up from time to time you know and helps me in my work so i I call elephant spirit a totem animal. The second meaning, and this is where it gets interesting, I think, is um, often a totem is a spirit animal that's shared by a family, a group, or a clan. Mm. Uh, I heard uh, not too long ago, just a few months ago, that there was a 12-step program. And they were, you know, regulars that were showing up very, very consistently in this program. And they brought in this idea of spirit animals and specifically totem animals. And somebody brought up and said, hey, what if, what if we, let's see if we can find out what our, our totem would be, you know, for the group. And through some process, they were able to determine uh, collectively that there was a certain spirit animal that was their totem. Um, we have, Amanda, we have temp, uh, contemporary versions of that too, uh, but I don't think they have the same impact or the same meaning and that is, let's say, sports teams, <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia Eagles, etc. you know, go down the roster. Now, having said all that about power animals and totem animals, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, you know, call it a totem, call it a power animal, that's up to you. And also, there are cultures, very interesting that uh, I think it's true in our culture, but we don't have the support for it. There are cultures that when a baby is birthed, they are birthed with a spirit animal or a totem. So we don't, again, in Western civilization, or we haven't really acknowledged that that's a real possibility, that this baby that's born, uh, if there's support on the parts of the, the part of the guardians, they can teach the child that this is their totem, that if they get scared, if they get uh, frightened, if they need some help of some sort, that they can call on this, this totem animal and they will be there for them I that love that. very interesting yeah and it's not uh, again something that that we're attuned to particularly in 
I don't know that we ever will be, you know, that particular aspect, but I sure like the idea is well, can you imagine a child who is still fantastical in their imagination and more accepting, open, willing, and ready um, to yeah. the possibility? I mean, how cool is that if a little boy was told that, you know, his power animal is an elephant or a wolf or right. a tiger? Like, yeah, if they're frightened or scared or being bullied at school, to, to have that... Um, ally so to speak for them to rely on i mean that could be quite powerful for a child yeah it, it's uh, you know again conceptually it's great it's the practice of it that you know i think we can introduce um, you know when someone let's say parents are open to that the possibility of discerning and discovering who that child's spirit animal or you could even say power animal again we're mixing terms here but it, it doesn't matter a great deal to me i've defined what power animal is and what I see as totem animal. And from there, it's call it a power animal or totem animal. You know, it, it, the point is, it is a spirit animal that's with you for a long, long time. Like I said, wolf is a good, for instance, 28 some years. I'd have to think, you know, do the math and everything, but it's been a long time, almost 30 years since I was introduced to uh, wolf brother and brings, as you put it, a great medicine you know, the medicine of guidance and protection. Uh, I feel safe, you know, psychically. I, I don't ever feel like there's a problem of being uh, intruded upon in that way. I, I just feel very blessed so many ways with uh, Wolf. Yeah, and I, I'm curious, you know, when you're given whatever the term is you want to call it, whether it's power animal, totem, spirit animal, you, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think that the label necessarily matters. It's more about the work that, you know, you do together. Does that animal change or is it with you for life? Or can you have that one and you have other ones that are coming in and out and change throughout your life? Uh, it's a great question. And the answer generally is yes, they can change. Um, good example is over the years, as I um, eventually I ended up retiring my psychotherapy practice, although these days now there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, training that I did as a therapist that I also incorporate with any of the shamanic work. But again, Wolf was the first one really to appear on the scene and has remained with me. And I don't know, I trust that he's probably going to be there at my bedside or where, however I die, you know, to help transport me into the afterlife. I, I really believe that that's, that's going to be the case with Wolf. Um, the next spirit animal that showed up as a power animal, meaning, again, a, a spirit animal that was, uh, I called upon consistently, you know, for my work. At the time when I had still had a psychotherapy practice and I was evolving more and more into doing shamanic work as well. And I, I had to keep a lot of that separate from the psychotherapy practice because at that time it wasn't, it would not be necessarily acceptable, you know, to most clients uh, to talk about power animals and shamanism and soul retrieval and all the various healing uh, modalities that come out of shamanism. But what happened is owl, I don't even remember, Amanda, how, how, what, where did owl come from? But owl was, was, was in a sense sort of, in a sense sort of hunting me, you know, in a good way, you know, tracking me. And eventually um, I had a conversation with owl spirit. I believe that's how it turned out. And I just simply asked the question, you know, like, are you joining the gang here? You know, are you going to be number two? You're going to be a, a power animal. And I got the definite answer. Yes. In owl medicine, if you think about the characteristics, and I'll get into this stuff later too. Think about the characteristics of the animal owl. You know, they're stealthy. Uh, they have an amazing vision. They, they can uh, turn their heads over um, 180 degrees. You know, they can twist around, look around. They're very sensed, they're very cued in to whatever movements are taking place out of necessity. Uh, they can see into the shadows. And if you think about it, Amanda, it makes sense as a therapist. That's great medicine to have with you. 
is to be able to, because in therapy, you work a lot with shadows. You know, that's what we work with, you know, is the, the hidden parts of ourselves, you know, that have gotten submerged over time. So owl medicine was great. Thank you, owl. And I say thank you right now, even as I say that, because um, it was very, very helpful uh, in, especially in some of the more difficult situations with clients. What, um, what happened from there is owl was with me very consistently for probably about 10 years or so. And then uh, just a funny thing happened. I can't even remember how it happened, but Owl left the nest, <laughs> so to speak. And Raven moved in. And Raven has remained with me since then. Uh, Owl shows up occasionally uh, here in Dana Point where I live. There was a period uh, last summer, actually, when an owl was showing up outside here and singing to me. So I would go outside and we'd sing back and forth. I love it. <laughs> no, it was just, it was so much fun. And I, I, I keep my ears open, you know, for the day that perhaps this owl will show up again. But uh, literally, Amanda, he, he followed me to the park. We would sing to each other all the way as I walked my dogs uh, over to the nearby park, you know, the community park. So anyway, that, that's an example um, of your question about can... Uh, can they change? Can power animals change? Our, our primary spirit animal, can they change over time? Of course they can. Different, um, when we come to different eras in our life, like Raven, um, much more fitting for my evolution as a shamanic practitioner. And it was shortly after I made that decision to retire the therapy practice, that's when Raven came came in and Al said, okay, take good care of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's your turn, you know, that sort of thing. And then since then, um, I, I have to backtrack and forgive me, I'm, it's a long story, but uh, well, one other that appeared was uh, Tortoise. And we actually have, uh, we, uh, I'm steward or we're stewards for two very beautiful uh, desert tortoises that came our way. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to back up a little bit because uh, forgive me, snake. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love this one, Amanda. Uh, prior to my doing shamanic work, and I think this is why I, I tend to forget this as to how this uh, initiated this relationship with snake spirit. So I hadn't even heard of shamanism and I was in a men's event and we were doing uh, some really powerful stuff. And one of the things that we were doing, I can see now, was to discover, uh, you could say, your totem animal. So we're all standing up and we're dancing and you know somebody's drumming and leading this guided meditation and snake spirit shows up. And I went, wow, that's a really interesting snake. You know, I like snakes. You know, I, I, I think they're really amazing beings. And so this was before wolf even appeared on the scene or before I even did this two-day initi initiation or this training into uh, shamanic work is snake had been with me for just a few years prior to that came to me in this men's event and then when i dived into shamanism i went oh okay so what is snake's medicine oh i would say it's all kinds of things i would say that uh for me, I'm a Scorpio. So, you know, I look at the snake as the, you know, a, a big part of the Phoenix rising. Uh, yeah. I look about yeah. death and rebirth, which is a, yeah. a huge theme, theme in uh, being Scorpion, but change and uh, yeah. shedding, yeah. shedding old ways and, and overcoming fear and um, clever. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people, and that's my opinion on, you know, Those, but I, I Those think are all that, good. Yeah. Uh, snakes to me like i was just telling you before we started the show that one uh i've lived in my place for four years and one just randomly showed up on my balcony one day and i live on the second floor and, and my balcony is very high it's it's got to be good grief it's got to be 15 feet 16 feet in the air i still to this day do not know how this sucker got up there but he did and i was like oh hey dude like this is a message and i was like okay like uh, I'm going through the kind of the motions of what's my instant kind of uh, 
inspiration. What What is this saying to me now? What is snake spirit saying to me now? And um, change was a big one. Um, uh, letting go, get rid of the old, yeah. let go of the old um, and overcome fear. And it was very appropriate. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going through uh, an evolution of sorts. I'm, you know, I'm in my late forties and I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm rising, so to speak. I'm, I'm definitely entering into a new chapter of evolution in my life. And what yeah. I have found um, interesting, I have always been extremely, extremely connected with nature. And I have always had a, an extreme uh, connection to animals. And I've used them in my practice for years to um, whisper into my ear, so to speak, of, of what a client needs. And a huge part of uh, when people work with me, I go into meditation and then I will go out into nature. And it, it, it is uncanny mm. how many times I get out of meditation and I go into the woods. My, my house is surrounded by woods. I will go into the woods and every single time I am approached by an animal every time yeah. and it's the coolest thing and um i can't say that i have a recurring totem that i've had without throughout my whole life but um in 2018 i, I have so many stories but in 2018 the owl came to me and you know, one of my questions to you was going to be like, how do you know that an animal is special? Or, you know, how do you know that it's there for a message? Well, I'm kind of going to answer that question myself. I lived at that time in the middle of the suburbs in a subdivision, and it was just box houses, all the, you know, like, we're not in the middle of nature, we're in the middle of subdivisions and, and or in, in the middle of a subdivision with all these houses and suburbs and cars and car horns and that nonsense and i went for a walk in the neighborhood and i heard the hoo-hoo and i was like what mm -hmm. the hell and i looked up and on one of my neighbor's roofs were two owls uh, just sitting on the roof and they were hooing at each other and i was like now that's unusual because here we were in the middle of the suburbs and i had lived in this subdivision for five years and never once had i seen an owl and then um, like maybe two days later, uh, a friend sent me an email and said, hey, I hope I'm checking in on you to see how you're doing. And she sent me a meme and it was an owl. And I was like, okay, something's going on here. And sure enough, it was just like what you were talking about. It, it's unearthing the shadows and, and the underbelly of things and um, being able to have that 180 uh, vision of, you know, take a step back. Are, are you really seeing things for all they were? And it, that was when I realized that uh, they were messengers to let me know that my relationship and my life was about to change in big ways. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah. they, they seem to always, for me personally, um, the animal spirits are, are more fleeting. I, I typically, um, there, it's not one recurring animal for a long period of time it, it's individual messengers and i actually i really i appreciate that and i really enjoy it i feel like it, it, i have a big family of animal spirits <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no the, you uh hit on a couple of things there with the uh of course the snake and the owl uh one thing i just to complete what i was talking about with snake is um realizing over the years that uh, you, there are there are ways to um, interpret or discern what the message is when you get a visitation like that. Like some of the things, obviously, you were able to to pull out from the visitation by the two owls, for instance. But that's a that's a good question because that was something I was going to ask you. Is is you know. I've been doing this work for a long time and I've been working with animals a long time. You clearly, I mean, this is your life's work. This is what you do. But for somebody who's listening to this show today, I mean, this may be completely new to them or they may be, you know, getting into this, but don't really know how to do this when they, so I, I want to back up and say, the first question that I asked a minute ago is how do you know that the experience is special? I tend to look at it as, well, this is unusual. So that to me kind of indicates that it's special. You can let us know more on that, but also 
once they do get that message, what do you recommend that they do to help flesh that out? Because, you know, you and I, this makes sense, but to somebody who's new to it, they may not even know where to start. Well, good. No, it's, uh, this is what I teach. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that. Okay. It doesn't matter what the animal is. Again, it, it could be a symbolic, uh, it could be a picture on the side of a truck, you know, uh, let's again, let's go back to snake. You know, I actually did see one on the side of a moving truck. I can't remember what the moving truck name was or the company. Anyway, um, there's there's three different ways that you can approach this. Like, what? Well, yeah, what is this stuff? What does it mean? One, look it up. <laughs> and this, what I mean by, since we're using the examples here of owl and elephant and raven, etc. cetera, uh, let's suppose that you uh, are in an area where there are a lot of crows. Okay, well, uh, that's not necessarily unusual to see a bunch of crows, you know, because that might be very, it is very common here, you know, I hear them, see them. But what if I'm, let's say, sitting outside having my morning cup of coffee, and a crow lands right in front of me and looks at me sideways, you know, from the one side of its face, I would count that as unusual. I would count like your two, the two owls you saw as unusual. You've had a, you, you've mentioned a few different sightings. You know that were well. That's really unusual. That's the snake showing up in your second. Twice he showed up twice. <laughs> so what? How do you? How do you? What do you do? You know how do you figure out what the message, or you could say the spiritual message is? One, look it up. And when I say look it up, um, go to the internet. My God, so much information available, and punch in uh, in the search engine whatever you use. Snake spirit snake totem, snake animal spirit guide, you can use any of those terms, and then see what they have to say, you know, see what you discover. And then Amanda, what I, I tell people is, you may have, let's say, oh, eight or nine different possibilities, you know, well, if you spot an owl, this is what it could mean. And blah. Well, what I want you to pay attention to when you do this kind this particular approach, number one, see which one resonates out of the nine maybe there's two or three of them where they just like hit you like you go oh got it owl let's see what else, what could owl mean owl could mean uh seeing in the darkness or it could mean oh there's somebody who's you're deceiving yourself about something or oh oh wait somebody's deceiving you okay that one clicks that one resonates yeah for instance and that was my case too because uh the gentleman that i was with was having an affair <laughs> deceit seeing deceit. in the shadows seeing what ordinarily you might not see yeah perfect. the owls were telling me hey chickadee pay attention and as soon as i saw them on that in on that house i was like oh shit stuff's about to start getting real like and i immediately i called my mom and i was like i just saw two owls and my mom is very black and white medicine you know she was in an er nurse for 35 years and so she's like well, what does that mean? Like, why are you getting freaked out about animal or seeing an, uh, two owls? You know, it's an animal. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> right, There's more right. to this. Well, you got a, you got a, a hit that that's um, you didn't have to go look it up. OK, you got a hit right away, you know, as to what it would be. So that, but back to number one, that's one thing you can do. The listeners who are like going curious about this, check it out. Go read about it. Number two is what you're talking about. And that's often the second way that you can discern the meaning or and or the message from the spirit animal is what are the characteristics of the physical animal? Because those characteristics that you can identify often can uh, be a metaphor you know, for what the spiritual message is. And then we've been talking about that quite a bit you know, already. Well, snake, okay. I see a snake on my, you know, on the second uh, second floor, right right outside the balcony in my apartment. You can look it up. That's one thing, of course. Or you can go. Let me think about this. What does a snake do? Well, they shed their skin. You said this earlier. Oh, so this I'm shedding an old skin. Mm -hmm. Here, the metaphor. I'm well, think about how they move too. I mean, it, it's a very unique way that they uh slither around and they kind of move around things gingerly and and uh i think it's quite sexy the way that they um can maneuver it, it's quite elegant 
Um, so to me, it was also a little bit of a message of um, letting go of old things and it doesn't matter. You're going to, you know, don't worry, you're going to do it brilliantly kind of thing. Yeah, but I want to stick with what you said about they, the way they move, you know, something about the way they move and they're kind of sexy. So if you're watching a snake and you're going, okay, what did this farmer guy talk about? <laughs> sexy, you know, sexy movement, etc. What would be the message to you? And I, I could suggest one, but uh, if you specifically pay attention to that as a metaphor, and it, you want to hear? You want yeah, to take yeah. Tell me what you think. Well, first off, that it really is a time for you to move, literally physically move, you know, engage in some sort of movement that would be very sensual, you know, because that's how you described it. And I could get that feeling from it. Mm. You know, it could be um, uh, it could be a, a dance of some sort or it could just be movement. Don't even call it dance, you know, turn on some sensual evocative music and then just let your body move. Get to know your body. You know, because here is this this being that's slithering around and you use the term you said sexy. So it's also could be an awakening of a sort of a new, I won't say a newfound sexuality, but like an expansion of your sexuality and what that means. You know, those are see how, though, the link is the metaphor from what you well, and I, I could definitely attest to that, that I have noticed a huge shift in me and my level of empowerment, which is another word that I would strongly use for snake is um, because it relates to the Kundalini, but it is absolutely something where I, um, the older that I get and the wiser, uh, you know, I become, I definitely have um, been standing more in my power more than ever before. And I would also relate that to, um, yeah. the snake medicine. And what I loved is that, um, for the audience. So I had this moment with this snake on my balcony and then I thought that was the end of it. And then I ordered a sandwich from a local company that delivers and, I got a call from a guy and he's like, I'm downstairs, but I ain't coming to your door because there's a snake. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> the snake is yeah. back. But what I loved about it is that the guy wouldn't come to my door because of fear. He was afraid. And I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just it's just a, you know, a garden snake. It, it, it's not a big deal. So um, that to me was another message that Here's somebody, and this was a big grown guy. He was like six, eight. He was huge and he was terrified of the snake. So mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, an, another message of, you know, the divine feminine rising and, and enlightenment coming, you know, from the Kundalini medicine. So I, I just thought that was ironic as well. I love it. Yeah. And the other that comes to mind just hearing the story is respect. Mm. Yeah. You know, is, is, uh, could be respecting others, it's respecting oneself. I but would use the term reverence. I have a lot of reverence for, um, which essentially is is respect. But to me, reverence has so much more emotion um, and love within it. And I have such a deep love for animals. And um, one of the things that I loved in your book, and I, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this, but you talk about the Dagara peoples. Did, did I pronounce that right? Yeah. The Gara yeah. of the uh, African nation of Burkina Faso, you talk about how they actually think that it's plants with the highest intelligence, then animals, and then humans. And I love this because I think that in so many ways, you know, we have allowed the fuel of our ego to, you know, uh, shield us from higher intelligence and, and really blur our vision. Um, and to me, plant medicine and animal medicine uh, is far superior. I, I, I resonate with that, um, that notion because I think that our, many of our ways are so shallow and they, it, it's such a smokescreen for false truths. And so to me, I, I can understand where that theory comes from, especially when you start working with animal medicine and, and what they can teach you and, and you know, you had mentioned earlier about synchronicity. 
And the thing is, is that when you start to really touch that magic and experience it, it you become like a child. It, it becomes so much fun to work with it and to receive the messages that, you know, then you, I get to the point to where I'm seeking it out. Like when I go on nature walks, I'm like, Ooh, who's going to talk to me today? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I think that's a, a good segue to this third way that you can discern what the message is. And it sounds like you do a fair amount of it. Um, there's a principle in shamanism, not exclusive to shamanism, but it's a strong one in shamanism, and that's direct revelation. And what this means in terms of spirit animals is that whatever the characteristics of the animal are, or whatever metaphors you might be able to draw, uh, whatever you might look up in, let's say, one of my books or on the internet or something like that as to what the meaning is, let's go direct, okay? And what that means is you ask the spirit animal what the message is. And I'll give you an example. Uh, let's take, uh, okay, elephant pops into my mind right now. So I, I'm going, okay, throughout the day today, it's just again and again, you know, elephant has come to me. I, I, I was reading a, an email and, oh, it's about elephants. Okay. And then I look over here and I see the elephant totem on my wall altar, you know, and then I, uh, let's say, I don't know, I take a nap and I have a dream about an elephant. I'm going, okay, that's enough, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> let's see what's going on. I can look it up, you know, and say, okay, elephant medicine, you don't mess with elephant, you know, you, you don't stand in their way. They're very loyal. They really take care of one another. You know, those are also messages too. But I want to um, encourage people to go direct, you know, to try this, you know, do the other two ways as well, you know, look it up, uh, find out more about the physical animal and let that be a metaphor. But this third way is really pretty cool. That's you ask the spirit animal. So to use the example of elephant, I'm going to do that right now. I'm just going to do that because for some reason, elephants popping up. So what I'm doing right now, and I, I will close my eyes. I'm going to get quiet just for a few seconds. And when I do, I'm going to first ask the question, elephant spirit, what's your message? And it doesn't matter anything about the, the characteristics of the animal, the physical animal. Let's see what shows up. So give me like 10 seconds. I know I don't want a lot of dead air time. I understand that. Okay, elephant spirit. Uh, seems like you've been coming to me, to us, and I want to see what the message is for me. Okay, got it. Boom. And I get body chills, by the way, Amanda, when I got this message. I got one too. I'm curious to see what yours is. Well, mine is very, very straightforward. And that's that um, I, I've been down for the count here for a few days and I haven't been, and I'm a real exercise addict. And what I got very clearly was build your strength. And what I saw in my mind's eye was an image of elephant, like um, almost like an Arnold, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger elephant, you know, like get strong again. You got to get, and I'm going to, I know I'm going to. So it was reinforcement for that. Now, um, before, before I ask you what you got, there's, there's a couple of ways that, that I perceived that message and I described them. One, sometimes they come in words. You know, I get words in my mind, uh, like somebody just saying to me, you got to get strong. Well, in this case, that was one of the ways that the message was conveyed, you know, through the inner voice. Second, I got a very clear image, like I said, almost comical, but of an elephant, you know, being like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, standing there, you know, really buff and everything. And the other I got, and I did share this when I said this, I said, I got a body rush, which means I got prickles on, you know, the hair on my arm stood up. To me, that was a clear signal, too, that that message was real strong. So there's three ways right there. What you see visual, what you hear in the minds, the voice in the mind, and three, sensations in the body. And the messages can come through direct revelation any of those three ways. You've described them already, you know, already when you've seen animals as you go walking through the woods, Amanda. And I don't know, it seems like one more piece I want to say about it. It's, it seems like some people are strongest in one of those three. 
you know, you might be stronger in terms of like hearing the words in your mind. You might be stronger in images that come to your mind's eye. You might be stronger in the sensation that comes up in response to the question. So that's that's some ideas about how you can go direct, you know, as they say, go right to the spirit animal, see what they have to say. So what'd you get? I want to hear what you got. Uh, I the first word that I saw was peace. But when you went silent, I heard get unstuck. So, I mean, uh, I would I would definitely uh, associate uh, elephant. Um, you know, I think a lot of people see them as these ginormous large animals, um, but there's a lot of gentility to them. There's a lot of peace to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely wise, but getting unstuck, absolutely, because of their strength. Yeah, good. And now, did you hear it? Uh, hear peace, it? I, I saw, but get unstuck, I heard. And so okay. that was one of the, the questions that I was going to ask you. If, if somebody is new to this, you know, I would say that someone like you or myself, uh, you know, and one of the things that I tell people all the time on this show is that um, you have to, in order to really tap into these finer energies, these more subtler, uh, or subtler information is you have to cultivate your chi. That's, that's the lingo in my world in feng shui. And, and, uh, in order to be a wise captain, you got to keep your ship calibrated. And so you, you have to do that in whatever that looks like for you, whether it's automatic writing, getting out in nature, meditation, reading, you know, you can figure out your thing, but one of the questions I was going to ask you is if somebody is new to this um, and, and they're not quite as tuned in as you and I are, how, what are some stronger ways that animals communicate with us? Like I can imagine someone listening to the show today going, Oh, great, Amanda, you're hearing things. I don't hear shit. <laughs> <You know>? uh, like, <laughs> I don't have those abilities. And the truth is, is that we all do, but our lives are, are very frenetic and very busy. And so, you know, you may be getting those types of messages and you don't realize them. So you had mentioned possibly visual, possibly feeling, um, possibly hearing. Are there other ways and, you know, how somebody that's new, how do they tune in so that they can understand these messages? How, how do they know that they're receiving them? Well, again, I would go through uh, the three ways to um, discern the message or understand the message. One, look it up. You know, nothing wrong with that. Look it up. You got a great tool in the Internet. Uh, I've got one of my books is Animal Spirit Guides. It's got like 200 and some animals in there or spirit animals. And what if you spot this one? What it might what might it mean, you know, and there's a few different possibilities. And like I said, then you find one that resonates with you. Uh, the second way is again, to, to discern the, uh, or take a look at what the physical characteristics are. And like what we've been working with the snake shedding, you know, common characteristics. So, ah, there's the message for you is it's time to shed an old skin, you know, an old way of being. Third is again, this practice, it takes a little bit more practice to do this, but it's doable. It's not that, you know, you, you just got to pay attention to what you see, hear, feel, you know, and you, you, let's say you spot an eagle. Wow. An eagle. I haven't, I've never seen an eagle around these parts. Okay. Pause, take a deep breath. Eagle brother or eagle spirit. What's your message? You know, and see what, see what you see in your mind's eye. Or it could be drawn to something outside externally. Second, what you hear in that inner voice. Or maybe there's a passing stranger that says something that's relevant and related mm -hmm. to I what love that. Evil yeah. spirit is saying inside, outside. Third, and this is a little, little, um, how, well, let me just say what it is the sensations in the body. Yeah, I gotta say, you know, tune into your body pay attention to what happens when you ask the question just like for me and again I pr i've got practice years of practice but you can do this you know is notice what happens immediately eagle eagle not the eagle not an eagle leave off the an and the when you're speaking to the spirit of the animal eagle what's your message Whew, and my arms want to fly out and i do get some chills that's funny that's interesting I got a few chills again, you know, my arms wanted to like lift myself up. You hear it? There's the message. Lift yourself up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and 
that so those are the three different ways that you can directly perceive and receive these messages and to add, trust what you get trust what you get experiment with it i, I often tell people that i often tell people i say don't believe me and don't disbelieve me <laughs> yeah. be a good scientist go out and experiment try these things out we need this kind of guidance right now Things are nuts. The world is nuts right now. We have to have ways that we can find that spiritual guidance. Otherwise, we're going to end up feeling lost. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up the trust because I think that, you know, a lot of us are are conditioned to question and, and blow it off and think that it's not real. And I'm also glad that you brought up that the message may not necessarily come from you. It it may come from... Uh, a song that you hear. It may be, you know, like you mentioned, a truck driving by. It could be that somebody mentioned something. I have that happen to me all the time where I'll be thinking about something and then someone around me will mention, I'll be like, okay, I got your spirit noted. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You just, you never quite know where the signs and the omens and the guidance is coming, is going to come from, you know, the, 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 the great thing about animals is they're all around all the time, whether in our uh, consciousness, whether we open a book, whether we see it on the internet or a movie, whether we actually go for a walk in the woods, whether I see eagle and I'm not used to seeing eagles where I live. Uh, I've got an owl that's singing to me, you know, back and forth. You never quite know where this is coming from. That's why I like what you're, you've had to say about this at the end of this, that you know, every day, it isn't that you have a particular power animal, you know, uh, although I have a suspicion you're going to find one here if we talk too long, um, but you, you see animals all the time and you get messages from the animals. Good for you. And you can teach others that too. That's what's great about it. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, um, you know, you mentioned in the book, uh, this idea that, um, animals are really our connection to the spiritual world. And to me, that makes absolute sense. I, I, I've known that since a child and I would never question it, but I definitely know that there are people in the world that think that animals are less than, or that they really have nothing to contribute and that um, they are lesser intelligent. And I, you know, I strongly disagree with that. I feel like um, they hold so much wisdom and they're messengers in so many ways. Oh my gosh, they're so wise. And oh, yeah. um, every time I need an answer to something, you know, I, I can go into meditation and I will go out into nature and it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you know, I'm in my 40s now and I've experienced this my whole life and I still am like a three-year-old completely delighted and thrilled and excited and I want to share with the world my, you know, you're not going to believe this story and like, yeah, yeah, it's happened to me so many times and I still, the delight and the excitement is still there. It, it never, yeah. it, it never, there's like, there's no iPhone, there's no television show, there's there's really nothing that's out there that can continuously give me that same delight as connecting with animals and, and their spirits. There's nothing that compares to it. Yeah, no, I agree. There's there's not nothing that compares to it. I think that's well said. And anyway. I love that every time that, um, in my opinion, like if I, you know, if I'm working with a client or I mean, I have story after story after story of, you know, and the synchronicity of the message that comes through, it never ceases to amaze me how much medicine nature holds and and how if we listen and pay attention, um, it, it, again, there's, there's no technology in this world that is as otherworldly, mystical, uh, phenomenal, and amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, every time I get a story, I'm like, oh, I got another one. I remember a book years ago, I didn't read the book, or I think I only read part of it, but I always remember the title because it, it said a lot about what we're addressing here. Uh, now we're talking like 25 years ago, I think it was published, and it was by Bruno, Bruno Bettelheim, and it was called The Re-Enchantment of the World. I think that's a really good way to describe what's going on in human consciousness is, you know, we're, we're being enchanted again, <laughs> you know, thank God. But I, I thank you for having me on as a guest. I've enjoyed the conversation immensely.
It's been awesome. Thank you for taking the time. I, I told you I was going to try to keep this at 45 minutes and I, I wasn't even paying attention to the time. But uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Farmer is who we've been talking with today. His new book is called Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. If people are interested in working with you or finding out more about you, where do they go? Well, the easiest would be the website, uh, drstephenfarmer.com. Uh, I also have some uh, some new oracle cards, messages from the ancestors, and guess what? Messages from the spirits of nature, oracle cards. So there's check those out too. Any find those on the website, uh, FaceTime, uh, FaceTime, uh, Facebook, <laughs> FaceTime, Facebook. Anyway, I'm, I've got a presence there too. Just look up Dr. Stephen Farmer. Perfect. And um, again, thank you for your service and your work in the world, Amanda. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me as a guest. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. I hope you've really enjoyed learning more about animal spirits and the messages that they provide us. I'm just going to keep it short. If you're interested in learning more about me, go on over to gatesinteriordesign.com and also be sure to pick up a copy of my new book, Feng Shui for the Soul, How to Achieve More Ohm from Your Home. All right, everyone. Trust the vibe, because the energy never lies.